This is Off the Break Podcast, presented by Silver Screen Insider. Welcome back to Off the Break Podcast. I'm Cody, and with me are Kyle and Ken. Hello. Hey guys, how's it going? Oh, another week. <laughs> just, the 2020 keeps taking a turn. I just, I don't know where we're headed. It's, we're, it's a U-turn and then another U-turn I and feel, then a final U-turn. I feel like we, we cleared a clearing and now there's like an evil witch's house. And we're like, let's <laughs> let's go in there and deal with that now. Yeah. I mean, echoing your guys' thoughts, I was just hoping for one good week in this industry and right. then it decided to not be a good week, took a couple of steps back, hit you over the head right. with a baseball bat. You know, it's all great it's stuff. It's like three in a trunk of a car. Taking oh, yeah. you to an undisclosed location. <laughs> <laughs> Business as usual at this point, yeah. sadly. So I was kind of excited at the beginning of this week because we found out that Tenet and Unhinged were finally placed back on the release schedule. So Back on the schedule. We're back Rolling. on the schedule, baby. Tenet is going international on August 21st and in the U.S. market on September 3rd, which is right before Labor Day weekend. As of now. As of right now. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Maybe this is the one. Listen oh. to this as soon as we release it. Don't listen to it later. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that, that may change. That may change. Um, so that was promising and we are you know getting solstice studios our unhinged dates so i was feeling really good about that and um and that hopefully will kick off the new releases and we'll we'll be back a little on track it'll kick off summertime in september yeah <laughs> can you believe it guys we did not have a single new release the whole summer it just if you had to pick a part of the year to abandon it wouldn't have been summer no it would have been like january or August. Yeah. Which that might happen too, September. Actually. No, the only thing that's comparable to an industry is like a baseball strike where they lose a whole season. Like yeah. where there's just no revenue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you still have to keep like the offices open and you still have to keep training as baseball players to mm-hmm. stay in shape. Like we're just behind the scenes, like doing mental gymnastics here, trying to keep <laughs> things going oh. along. Yep. <laughs> Trying to figure out which old repertory title will eke out a couple hundred dollar gross. What are people going to want to see in the theater? Well, you you smoked it this week in a couple of spots. Guys, (laughs) I found out a little hidden gem called Fifth Element. It was awesome. (laughs) It did great. Yeah. Okay. And that's actually one that I really enjoy watching. So I Mm -hmm. I was happy for it. Very exciting. You even championed for it more so. I did. I did. A lot of people didn't believe me. Hey, at this point, whatever works. For every fifth element, they're like a whole bunch of blunders. Like, apparently, no one wants to go see Harrison Ford on Air Force One say, Get off my plane. (laughs) I don't know why. That, too, is a great, great film. No one wanted to go see that. Uh, They're only Star Trek and Indiana Jones fans. They're not actually Harrison Ford fans. Apparently not. So yeah, I was I was disappointed for my Air Force One blunder. I did get a Fifth Element win. So at this point, whatever you can find deep in the barrel, yeah, in the Walmart five dollar bin, yeah. like yeah. a win's gonna be a win. A win is a win after like so many losses. <laughs> you just hope that fifth you'll find another Fifth Element in the coming weeks. Yeah. So what are yeah. you doing this week? Uh, well, more Fifth Elements. <laughs> adding those. 
Um, I added labyrinths and hopefully that'll do some something. Um, and I'm trying to get eke out some men in blacks in there before the cutoff. Cause they're going to do a re-release in September 11th. Yeah. Sony has grown ups on August 14th. Yeah. Spider-Man, the newest, two newest Spider-Mans homecoming and far cool. from home on the 28th and then yeah. men in black on September 11th. Yeah. So at least there's something out there. Not that they're exciting, big ticket offerings. But well, at least there's a little bit of marketing behind them. That's is the there? only reason. Yeah, they're marketing the, the re-releases. Teeny bit of marketing. I was going to say, have you seen it anywhere? <laughs> there's more other marketing than, than there is for like Indiana squint, Jones. You'll see <laughs> have you, it. Have you seen anything other than to us? Yeah. <laughs> have you seen this on your yeah, remember, television we're, watching? You've been getting mailers? We're in a yeah. very specific bubble. Right. <laughs> Uh, compared to the common folk. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what bad news do we want to have for the folks right. this week? <laughs> All right. So we got to talk about the big elephant in the room, which was the announcement of the AMC Universal Theatrical Window Disaster. And for those of you that have not heard, um, apparently it was announced that AMC and Universal have come to terms on collapsing the theatrical window to merely 17 days, which is exactly three weekends. And then the AMC is going to allow Universal to um, put any underperforming film on premium VOD. So we all knew going into this year that there was a lot of pressure to collapse the theatrical window. You know, it's 90 days. A lot of people were hoping for 45. I was on the fence and thinking 30 was a good number. And probably like the number that was going to be the most realistic and where it was going to land. I thought 45 was still asking for a lot. Um, everybody knows that most of the film on a new release, it, most of the revenue is made uh, in the first three weeks. So we all kind of know that. But what you were trying to do with, say, like 30 days is give a two-week cushion so that people didn't wait the three weeks and just see it on VOD, they still, they, there was enough window in there that it changed the behavior without, um, fundamentally altering movie going. You still protected that movie going behavior. But what AMC did was go to the 17 days, which is what Universal wanted. And, um, essentially just really ruined that. I mean, it's just so mind boggling that they went to that point so early like they didn't try to tear this down at all they didn't hit 45 days or they didn't negotiate 30 days which I think is where most Wall Street analysts thought it would land like no it just went right for whatever Universal wanted they and must be bankrupt bankrupt <laughs> I think they're really heading for financial ruin mm-hmm. and taking the industry with them yeah they yeah. just if we're going down you're coming with us <laughs> yeah. just through the industry under the table mm-hmm. and or under the bus just to try to save themselves. And, you know, it's not, it's not exhibition, the rest of exhibitions fault that, that AMC over leveraged themselves and bought up to try to be number one and then got under all this debt. I mean, that's not yeah. all the rest of the movie theaters in the country shouldn't have to suffer because AMC 
had got greedy. And we knew this was going to happen January 1st. We knew AMC was in trouble. Right. Because of their announcement. They were in trouble the, before COVID. Uh, yeah, we announced that, or they announced that they were in debt some $200 yeah. million. And it was, this was going to happen. It could have been 18 months, two years down the road, right. but it was going to happen. This exacerbated things, but all of the exhibitors are in this situation. Nobody's made money since the first weekend of March. Yeah. Like nobody's been there. And then AMC's like, hey, Guess what? We found we found a small <laughs> income stream. Let's try this. I, but I don't know. So there's just at least a lot of questions. If AMC was really after a ba- an income stream, why pick Universal? They don't have anything in the next year, really. Because Universal's fighting hard to make this happen. I mean, they they have Candyman, which was never going to play everywhere, and then they had Crudes too. Which, granted, that one looked kind of cute, and they, they had that at Christmas. And then they had News of the World with Tom Hanks, which was going to be like an upscale, more art picture. That wasn't going to play any for everywhere. Going to be the post of a and few then, years ago. And then there were like five movies that I have no idea what they are. Mm-hmm. And then Fast and Furious. I mean, it was like, what film does does AMC think they're going to make these the, any revenue off PVOD on? I mean, maybe animated features. Like, Universal does pretty well with those. I mean, Secret Life of Pets and The, right. the Despicable Me's. Like the that's, trolls, yeah. And The Trolls, yeah. That's where I could really see it. But even besides that, mid-budgeteer movies, like, the, maybe Candyman would be, like, the exception of wavering between those two points. But I don't know. It's hard to say on whether they should feel comfortable right with taking that chance even still. Yeah. I think they just signed themselves up for a, any deal that was going to come their sh- way, show them yeah. that or show their investors and shareholders that there was going to be some revenue coming in. Something, it didn't matter who it was, who or what and happened. The fact that it's they, one of the big yeah. four is, is in their minds and their print is great. Yeah. It shows like, Hey, we did something with universal, right. you know, but if Lionsgate or STX or a 24 came around, they were going to sign the same deal. Maybe, <laughs> but it just, and you know that it has to be a $20 um, premium VOD, yeah. which that really sucks because at 20 bucks, that really does compete with theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have a whole little kid's birthday party and watch Crudes for 20 bucks, which would be a lot less than doing a theater run out. Yeah. Not as fun, but a lot less money. Mm-hmm. And so I... But of that $20, of that $20, how much is AMC really getting? I mean, are they getting half? I don't think that Universal wanted to give them half of their revenue when they're only getting 80% because the stream, the technology companies still get a little bit of that. So of that 80, are they getting 20% of that? Like what, what is the number? Is it two or $3? Anything they can get. And they're not getting, (laughs) and they're not getting any concession sales they're not paying leases they're not paying employees they're not paying anything with that money nothing from that money there's no extras at least Mm -hmm. with with a movie ticket you got concessions from that you got your per caps you got that money Mm -hmm. to pay for the the structure of the building and And everybody knew and exhibiting that they weren't paying the same terms as an independent yeah they were paying less on film rental terms so when you're paying for your independent theater where you're paying 50, 55, 60, 65%, AMC's not paying that. Probably not. <laughs> There's no way they're paying that. Because no I wouldn't way. pay that if I had yeah. a quarter of the locations in the U.S. I wouldn't pay that. Yeah. But so it's it's mind-boggling that they would give all this up for 
you know, and it's just a, a signed contract. That's something to keep the the board at bay, basically, yeah. to keep their position safe for the time being. For the time being. Because in reality, for this to work for Universal, Regal and Cinemark have to sign on. And I, and, you know, maybe they'll get their own sweetheart deals. We really don't know what the deal is. You know, the deal could be not just this revenue share, but maybe a loan that's not disclosed to keep them afloat. Maybe it's um, an ownership stake. Now with the Paramount decrees, the Justice Department rethinking those, there might be an ownership stake loan. Yeah. Kind of like what Credit Suisse did with some huge oh. resorts up here. <laughs> well, now that there's a, um, the Paramount loss has been suspended, yeah. it makes sense for them to get into film exhibition yeah. on that end. So there is a way in for them. And it's a way in with the biggest theater chain in the U.S. Right. So I do. That makes it. I mean, I do see there being a possibility that other studios are going to be coming after AMC because now that they know that AMC can, you know, just give in to whatever Bend this over. deal is. Can yeah, you said <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, then I am for sure thinking that studios will be coming over to AMC and asking for the same thing. Like even though they're better than Universal when it comes to exhibition. They're yeah. pretty more lenient, I would say, but they're still going to see that and be like, you know what, if they, if Universal can make that deal, why can't we? Right. No, and I just, everybody, and I, I read so many trade articles about this when this broke. Yeah. And all the trade articles all said the exact, like, same three franchises, Fast and Furious, The Croods, and... Jurassic Park. Uh, and Jurassic Park. And, yeah. yeah, the Jurassic World. And I'm like, is that all Universal has? That's really, is that all that they, we were looking for? When it comes to big for? franchises, yeah. Yeah. So really, they were looking at a slate of garbage, for, <laughs> really, like mediocre yeah. performing garbage. And they were like, how do we bring more money out of this? We need to, that's why they want to push PVOD because they can't make a good movie that has legs that will last and actually make everybody money. They're hoping Candyland goes one way or the other, that it becomes possibly a big franchise or it's the yeah. PVOD release that makes them bank. And I'm not buying this whole argument that if you take, if you add the PVOD, you're taking the risk of theatrical and the price of it away so that, so that what they'll do is encourage them to produce more movies, like make more movies. Like, yeah, they'll make more movies for their streaming. Mm -hmm. Like, you think all that extra production is going to come to theaters? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, creators are already going to streaming because they realize yeah. that they can get their stuff actually made and they can do it, like, because they're throwing money at right. them. So I do love the terminology of the underperforming film too. Because yeah. what does that mean on right. a scale? Yeah, it's just varying like, degrees. Uh, yeah, Jurassic Park opened to 160 million dollars. Well, it's not 200, so it's underperforming. So it's going on. <laughs> PVOD. <laughs> yeah. When can you... Um, you make a movie for $5 million and it makes $10 million. Well, it's below our projections, too, so <laughs> underperforming. Yeah. Right. It doubled its production budget in the first week, but it's, a, it's not where we need it to be. It's There's so many degrees of it. You just... Yeah, it can't so, right. Like, you just don't know how to measure that stuff. Right. It's so even vague. With analytics. You have no idea what, what was really going on with it. And I just... It's just so... So incredibly unfortunate. And and they just, they broke this news when they didn't have a film coming out. You know, they're hoping that this happens, they get their deal in, and then everybody forgets about it. 
And that's probably what's going to happen. But I'm telling everybody that's listening, do not forget. Well, that wasn't that AMC's words at one point. We yeah. will never we'll forget. forget this universal. Oh, wait, we need money. Yeah. Okay. We'll do what you, we'll do what you say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just feel, I really feel bad for the smaller guys. Like, cause if this does go through and it actually works to where studios can take advantage of this over like big corporate theaters like imagine what this will do for it's, it's the not even guys. smaller right. guys i mean there are chains of 20 30 locations that are gonna be on the outside looking in yeah places yeah. that have millions of dollars at stake and hundreds of employees are gonna be sitting there watching amc if there is money to be made making money i love how analysts were like oh the independents they can negotiate their own deals no <laughs> no <laughs> Where who are they? these people is, yeah is universal is universal going to take time to negotiate with uh, your your small theater with the mayberry <sighs> main street theater i know <laughs> yeah right they barely take bookings from them yeah and you think they're, they're somehow going to negotiate a revenue stream even the mid-range circuits I would be surprised if they got a revenue stream negotiated for this. So you're really only looking at AMC, Regal, and Cinemark. They're going to get deals. Everybody else, fend for yourself. Yep. Good luck. Yeah. And sadly, the media doesn't realize this. And unfortunately, like smaller theaters can't voice them like they should, which is why we're here, you know, like trying to help them out. But, you know, even our voices, you know, can't reach at a certain point. So... Yeah, just no. keep no, spreading the word. We got to help these guys out because a lot of changes could be coming. No, last year Cody represented millions of dollars of box office grossing, and she couldn't not only get a seat at the table, she couldn't get a right. parking spot at the building <laughs> right. with the, in this conversation. Yeah, had to park no on the way. road. <laughs> I mean, they the poor independents have really struggled. They've tried to form their own trade organization. They've tried to have talks. I mean, they independents represent something like twenty percent of the north american box office like the independents are a huge force it's just that they're all independent they and they can't seem to be able to get together and you know be a force and and you knew that the that they had no say in in this matter when in 2012 the studios decided to go to digital and they were willing to write off 20 percent of the market if they didn't convert and luckily everybody converted, but the studios had already played their hand. They had already dismissed that 20% as being worthless to them. They just needed the big three or at the time, the big four. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All levels of frustrating. Yeah. So we'll see how this goes. Immediate implications are probably, you're probably not going to see anything, but long term, if like Kyle said, this was, to work itself out and become the norm, you will see the disappearance of the um, intermediate and sub-run markets. Those are just yeah. gone. And and I think that they had already been struggling because there was just no, there wasn't enough product in the first runs to start kicking it out. And then of the product that was working, they, people were just holding it forever. It was just playing forever and ever and ever. And so those markets were already really struggling. There was no value in movies after the five, five week mark. So you're going to see that gone. The dollar houses, the $5 houses like that, that's gone. You're going to see a lot of little, little mom paw theaters, the little theaters that maybe gross $20,000 a year that service to town of a couple thousand people might be the, literally the only, the only show in town. Before they were 
indirectly competing with these streaming services because yeah. people were looking to go out and do something in the town. Yep. But now they're directly competing yep. with their cable provider, with DirecTV, with Netflix, with all these places. And it's it's not – it wasn't an even battle before when they weren't actually competing with them. Now that they are, Yeah, it's – nobody can win. No. So – because you know that – Universal's going to do this, but they're going to go to this three-week model, or they want to go to this three-week model, but they're not going to just like hand out prints like candy in the th- three weeks. They're not going to say, oh, well, since we only got three weeks, anybody and everybody can have a print. No, they're still going to stick to their print counts. They're still going to stick to their costs, and they're going to say, everybody that doesn't get a print on the break, you have to compete with streaming now. And we're not guaranteeing you a print on the break. We've never guaranteed it. You do not make our cuts. We ha- we keep these numbers because this is how we get producers to come and distribute with us. We're we're not changing our model at all. But but we're guys, changing our model. Yeah, entirely. but we're changing our model now. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the important thing. If you're if you're a film buyer or a theater who books your own films, it's going to yeah. be more of an uphill battle than it ever was before. Oh yeah. I mean, I think I I think most theaters could stomach a, a shortened theatrical window, say 30 days. Even le- they could maybe stomach 21 days if they were guaranteed a print within the first 21 days when they had exclusive theatrical rights to that print, if they could get the exclusive, I think more people would be on board. But the fact that the studios say no, we're only going to allow X amount of prints in the market and we're only taking the top markets and we're going to double up in some of those markets. So even less markets going to get it. That's what's just so unpalpable. That's just so disgusting in my book that, that just really screws over everybody. You know, you, you're telling these theaters, the value of our film is only in the first three weeks, but we're not going to let you have it. You can play the scraps afterwards when we want to put it on streaming, when we get our, then 100% streaming value out of it. Well, there's still a little bit yeah, to our, eke out. Our product has a best buy date, Yeah, but you're only allowed to purchase it after it's spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a slap in the face for creators. Like for if everybody. a creator goes to a studio and pitches a movie, they'll be like, oh, that sounds great. I mean, it'll be a, it'll be that three week PVOD release because yeah. we don't believe in it that much, but it'll, it'll still be fine. Like you'll still get your movie out what's the difference in seeing it in those two ways when there is right. absolutely a big difference that's why a few weeks ago we were seeing so many creators coming out and nobody's thinking of movie theaters being the mega pl- the 15 plexes everybody thinks of middle america small theaters maybe your twin maybe you know up to a four or five i mean those those are the hometown theaters that really get people into that movie going behavior it's not the 15 and 20 screen megaplexes i mean that's why people more and more kind of complain about why show you know stuff in theaters when it can be on streaming because they think of those big megaplexes that are gross to them or they're charged too much or they just don't feel you know like the a comforting situation like it would be at your own home they don't get the experience yeah that they're looking for and people are looking for authentic experiences and this Mm -hmm. should be a renaissance for these smaller boutique theaters hometown mom pause this should be a renaissance for them i mean drive-ins are feeling that renaissance because people are feeling that experience and it's a way for them to view media outside their home but they still are 
comfortable and have that yeah. that type of feeling that you were describing. Exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so there's something essential about movie going. There's something that people still really want. I think we saw even in the time of COVID, even when all the theaters were shut, people were still going out to get the popcorn just to have some semblance of that experience mm-hmm. at home. And so there is something there that is powerful and marketable and that we need to preserve. But man, it is just turning into such an uphill, such an uphill battle, yeah. such a struggle. Well, that's why we're promoting uh, hashtag Save Your Cinema on SilverScreenInsider.com. Yeah. Oh yeah, and we'll be posting that all over social media for a long time. Um, it's yeah. a campaign being started by NATO to help save these theaters that we're talking about, especially now more than ever, seeing as though how this deal between AMC and Universal has panned out. Uh, we'll have links in this podcast episode as well as on social media and Silver Screen Insider, as we said before. But please go support your local theaters. Please spread the word because yep. right now we need it's, like people to know about these small theaters. Right. We need the government to know that they need help. Um, it's letters to your congressman. Yep. It's letters to your representatives. It's letters asking for some financial relief, a bailout for the for cinemas across the nation because yep. they are – so impacted by COVID. It's crazy. I mean, whatever your politics are, it, it seems that to be that theaters are being slightly treated unfairly. If you can have churches open, you can have restaurants, you can have bars, you can have these other ex- experiences open, granted under limited capacity, but they're not allowing theaters. There's some real bias and issues there. We just got to work and, and try to save the theaters. I mean, that bias goes to what I was saying about people viewing theaters as only like the big cineplexes. They view them as a gross place where you don't get the best treatment, you don't get the best experience when really you do, like even mom and pop shops you do. So you just, let's try and like reverse that thought. Like they're all gross, they're all where you're going to get COVID because that's, I mean, you have to protect yourself obviously, but that's not the case. Like there are many theaters out there that deserve better treatment and better Mm -hmm. and to be thought of better than what they are at now because they are at very big disadvantage and i don't think they're as risky as what is being put out there like Mm -hmm. you you know you can wear masks in them and still enjoy your experience you all face forward so you're not like breathing on each other they do have social distancing requirements every other row is usually um, not available and then they can space you six feet in a theater Especially with if the theater's got recliners, it's super easy. You can be spread out. No one goes in the theater and goes up to somebody sitting there and it's like, I'm going to sit right next to this guy. And the few that do are weird. Are Move weird. away from that. Right? Yeah, you don't <laughs> want to be near them anyways. But if there's a... People just naturally sit apart in the theater. Yeah. It's something about kind of being in your own little bubble and that's already part of that movie-going experience. And... Even if the theater was sold out, there are every theater that is open has social distancing requirements. No one is going to sit right next to you, which you cannot say for sure you would get that same treatment at a restaurant or a church or any of those other public gathering places that are allowed to be open right now. You would hope so, but yeah. Right. All right, we ready for the fun stuff? Okay. (laughs) I think we got it out of the way. We'll talk a lot more about AMC. And universal as it as it evolves, as I'm sure evolves. more stuff will come out. Yeah, definitely. I don't want to overreact because who knows? As you we know. as we overreacted by cheering AMC four months ago, right? For <laughs> telling or for telling Universal to shove it, and then yeah. they bent no. over and shoved it the other way. <laughs> right. 
There's a lot of shit uh, going on. You guys. Yeah. Way to go, Kyle. And take us into the gutter. That's Cody's job. That's why yeah. she's here. Uh, I was just thinking, I was saying what we were all thinking. Let's be real. Yeah, they took it way up there. All right. Um, so um, I saw my movie. I saw my movie too. Great job. Hey, 100% I w- this week. I was week. supposed nice. to watch Blade Runner. And I watched Killers. Kill Killers? With Ashton Kutcher? Yeah. The, was the that what kill, it was called? The Killers. The Killers. Killers. The Killers. I don't know. Killed? Yeah. Something so, like that. So we're on this like couples, espionage, like fun comedy. What'd you think? Um, enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. It's definitely not Mr. and Mrs. Smith level of good, but... Of writing or production of or every, starring. Of everything. Or... <gasps> Ashton Kutcher was trying, though. Like, he was... The only I, part that was better was Tom Selleck's mustache. Oh, for sure. I, I'm so... They addressed <laughs> the dad. It, oh, no, it's amazing. <laughs> and they addressed it many times of how perfect and amazing it is, and yeah. I was there for that. I was I like, know, I'm went, so glad... They went with it. You got him for a reason. You have to address it. <laughs> And I had a blast with with those few parts, yeah. But no, it was actually a it's a fun time. It's uh, not Mr. and Mrs. Smith level, but like you were saying, yeah. it's the like, what B level. It's like a B version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's I, still would, enjoyable. I would call it that. Yeah, it's just a romantic comedy with you know some spy elements in it. And yeah, yeah, it was enjoyable for what he, it was. He kills a gal on with a deer chandelier, deer antler chandelier. That was pretty creative. That I give was. props for that. Just whoosh, yeah, gets her. <laughs> yeah, there was like another kill that was I thought was actually pretty creative, but I couldn't remember what it was now. But but no, the the deer one is really good. Yeah, <laughs> and so Blade Runner. Oh, Blade Runner. Well, <laughs> I was really distracted by because it's supposed to be futuristic. It was set in the year of twenty nineteen. <laughs> And so that was weird. Looked more like 2020 to me, actually. <laughs> they were just a year ahead. Excuse me. I wish. Um, so I was really spent most of my time. It was kind of hard to get into the movie. The special effects were actually really good. Oh, yeah. um, that part wasn't wasn't taking me out. It was just the few like movies from the past that depict the future. It's interesting what they how they depicted the future. Like sure. they all thought we would have flying cars by now. But then when they show computerized things, like their machines and stuff, they have a lot of mechanical components still. And yeah. so it's really funny that when we get to the future, we have such sophisticated computers and we don't have flying cars yet. <laughs> no, I mean, one could only dream. We're getting right. close, I think. It'll happen one day, but they were off by a few years. Yeah. So it was... And then the po- the sheer amount of population, like they're supposed to be in L.A., but you don't see any hills. <laughs> like it's just the future's changed. Yeah, all the hills are gone. All the hills are gone. <laughs> it just it was, it was okay. It was very slow. I oh mean, yeah, it was. So, it's a slow burn. I had to fa- be honest with you. Fast <sighs> forward till the, I saw where they were oh. actually talking because it was like the the pacing on this whole list, the AFI list, is yeah. they are. Slow movies. They love there's, their slow burners. There's no. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> but Bla- I don't know. I really like Blade Runner for it being a slow burn. I think I just like and appreciate that it takes time to set in moods and atmospheres and lets people like see how characters are reacting more so than just fast pace, like telling us what's oh, I, going on. I don't want to fast pace, but you could pick up this pace a little bit. There <laughs> I mean, was just, just tweak just, it. Just, just wait bit. until you have to watch 2001 a space odyssey. It's an hour longer with half the story. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it is slow. That's, yeah, oh. for sure. So, um, 
Harrison Ford's character, Decker, I thought he was supposed to be just this brilliant Blade Runner, this guy that tracks down these replicants, but he just seemed like a normal guy. Like, I don't know why. I think that's the point. But I don't know what was so special about him that they had to pull him back in. One more case, Decker. We got to get, I need your help on this. He's the best at what he does, even but if he makes was mistakes. not very impressive. And I mean, Indiana Jones is the same way. He's just a guy. No, oh, he no. was impre- he was fighting people and kicking he, butt, and he and knew he, all the but artifacts. He, he but he made artif- a lot of mistakes along the way. This, he wasn't perfect. Yeah, but, there, the, but Decker's character that was there was like nothing, nothing going on up He's there. He's very to himself. Uh, so so boring, and I don't know how <laughs> they fell in love. Like what he she saw in him, what he saw in her. They were both wet blanket characters. That was just like. I don't get it. I don't get. It. She saved him. That's all. I could see, maybe see her infatuation with him, and then she saved him, and then I guess that bonded. And <laughs> but I but through the whole movie, I was like, this. I don't know why they're even together. What? There's nothing here. I thought mm. this snake lady was way more interesting. The one. Yeah, she's cool. That he kills. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was okay. I mean. It, it gets a lot of praise. I'm sure it was very like crazy and groundbreaking and for its time. I just was taken out of it because it wasn't it wasn't beloved at the time. Like right. it took a while for people to realize how good it is, but it yeah. for a while, like even though I'm sure they appreciate like special effects and whatnot, but it wasn't very groundbreaking because people weren't into it at the time. Was it Maybe they the, saw what you saw. Was it yeah. one of those VCR releases like Terminator where it picked up steam? Oh, I'm sure. For the, in the I rental think it market? Did. Yeah. Definitely picked up Which steam. probably led to a director's cut being possible. And a final cut. And a final cut. There's two. Yeah, I had to that's be, right. I'm like, which I one do I watch? <laughs> I picked the one with, that was the shortest. <laughs> I mean, truth be told, I can't. It's been a long time since I've seen the first Blade Runner. I yeah. don't remember if it's I, the director's cut. Like, there's or, nothing in the director's cut that's going to change the fundamental part of don't this think movie. I don't think there is much that changes. I don't I, think there's a few extra minutes. Also, didn't like the narration. I mean, that it, might be a director's. It added a little bit. Was that a director's choice or a studio choice? She watched the original. Yeah. yeah. The theatrical version. So that was definitely a studio choice to have yeah. the commentary, or not commentary, the, the narration. The narration. Yeah. He, he narrates, but then his mouth moves for parts of it. Yeah. Like he like walks in and out of it. Oh, really? Kind of, <laughs> sort of. Like whether he's talking to somebody. He'd be narrating. No, he, narr- he, he narrates, narrates but then separately. he then it immediately goes into him talking to someone. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, it's almost distracting because, right. like, the narration moves into his speech. Right. It's not <laughs> edited to where there's a space. Right? Where there's it a just break or together. someone else talks first. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I get that. I did like some <laughs> of the narration because it clarified a few scenes, but I think I would have gotten that in context. I didn't. Yeah. Super exactly. need it, but um, yeah, it was. It wasn't the worst of the mm-hmm. movies I've seen, so. Well, All right, I'll take that. Are you ready for a reprieve for your next film? We talked about it last time. What? The Marx Brothers Duck Soup. Oh, yeah. It's, okay. It, it's a whirlwind comedic film. Comes in at a whopping 68 minutes. Oh, yes. I love <laughs> oh, right this. right up her alley. We'll <laughs> <laughs> probably watch it tonight. And what does Kyle have on his plate for this week? Another? No, do you want another fun romantic um, action romantic comedy action film? I thought we said last week that we, were we should do, do the Tom Cruise Night one, yeah. Night and Day, because that's 
like the we I just watched like the B plus version, yeah. so this might be like the C, A minus or C plus. Oh, this is C plus. Oh no. This is worse than I just This is the best Okay, you probably will like the the Tom Cruise more than the Ashton, Ashton Kutcher. Kutcher, but I okay. enjoyed the Ashton Kutcher one a little bit I'd more. Say this is the best okay. of the three action movies over Mr. And Mrs. Smith. This is a better hmm. action movie. Now I'm intrigued. Ooh, I might see that. It's Tom Cruise, so you know the action's really yeah, good. Yeah, true. Over the top. True. Yeah. But Doug Lyman, who works with Tom Cruise, did Mr. and Mrs. Smith, so it could be a competition. It is. Ooh, yeah. no. I Stay tuned. <laughs> Tune in next week to right. see what Kyle's response I'll is. I'll have my rankings next week. Yeah. <laughs> did your girlfriend watch it with you? She did. She actually yeah. told me that she saw it, I think, in the theater, maybe, when it first came out. Yeah. Did so, she enjoy it? I think she still enjoyed it, yeah. So fun. Yeah. I think she was a little disappointed that I didn't like it all that much, but at least was happy. Kind of like I'm a little disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I didn't hate it by any means. I enjoyed it for what it was, but I guess even at that, she was hoping I liked it a bit more. But So you can watch it again. Whoops. So you can watch it again. I don't think that's... No. (laughs) Yeah. And Cody and I got a couple of uh, screeners that we'll look into this next week to see if we can get you some... uh, yeah, previewed. I think we got some IFC screeners. Yep. And what did, did you get anything else? I'm trying to remember what the movie was. It's back in town or something that we were looking at the other day. Okay. Well, so yeah, we'll get you. We got a couple more. of uh, reviews we'll give you on some upcoming films that yep. we were kind of excited so about. I'm and doing Duck Soup. He's doing Night and Day. Oh, Kyle gets the best movies. <laughs> you pick his movies. <laughs> no, I really. The American Film Institute picked your movies. Meanwhile, I'm like, man, I want to watch Blade Runner. Again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so, everyone, thank you for listening to the Off the Break podcast. You can check us out on all podcast platforms as well as at Silver Screen Insider, where if you're running a theater, like we have many materials yep. and much uh, upcoming films for you guys to check out and see. We you can work with check out fifth element <laughs> check out fifth element too cody highly it's recommends it's pg13 it could yeah so that works scott bruce yeah. willis it's awesome please yeah. support us at silverscreeninsider.com and hashtag save your cinema yep. perfect contact those congressmen get them to send the cinema's money i mean if they're just going to be doling it out left and right at least the theaters could have some exactly you would think they could agree on uh, theaters being something that doesn't everyone love movies yeah. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough, guys. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. See ya.